0: Welcome to Key Characters, my name is Hal Crawford. Today I'm speaking with Jerry Singer from the mech shooter game, Metalcore. You'll hear about Metalcore and its incorporation of blockchain elements during the course of the interview. Like a lot of game developers, the Metalcore team have picked up on the need to soft pedal the web three angle, to the extent that they won't really bring it up unless you do. In short, Web3 and the blockchain are no longer selling points, which has been the case really since the collapse of FTX last year. Now, Jerry was someone I instinctively got on with and also one of those people who turned out to have an interesting backstory. I did some investigation into his background and I discovered an unusual career progression for someone who ended up at a game development studio. So with that little tantalization, I give you Metalcore's Jerry Singer.
1: My name's Jerry Singer. I do uh, business development and partnerships for Studio 369, where you're developing the Metalcore. Um, we have a couple of titles that we're working on, but Metalcore is obviously
0: like the home base for us and the mothership. So Studio 369, where is that uh, mob based or is it uh, globally distributed? We're fully remote. We have like hubs in Chicago and Vegas is kind of where we have concentrations of people. Now tell me, what do you do at Studio 369? And in particular, what do you do around this game Metalcore? Yeah, my role, like I said, is business development and partnerships. I'm also one of the
1: more Web3 native people on the team. So a lot of that stuff comes to me first initially. And then I try to pass it on to the smarter people than myself. One of the things that I really focus in on and have been kind of trying to make my baby lately is the user acquisition and getting people to play the game. And uh, just people understanding like what, where's the building of brand awareness that is Metal And at the end of the day, really, how do we as a studio make money and make sure that this game can live to see a life cycle and not be a game that just gets put out and lives for six months, but six, six years.
0: And hopefully beyond that, I'd love to see metalcore uh, age with me. If you really hit a home run, that can happen. There are games that have decades long life cycles, Counter-Strike, for example. Yeah, I remember when Counter-Strike came about as a mod, and I just could not have envisaged that there would be a version of Counter-Strike still pretty faithful to the original that is being played today.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. The, there's this game that has this 25-year life cycle and really showing like no signs of slowing down. I think my Counter-Strike was definitely World of Warcraft, and I was looking at like statistics of player base in, in WoW and they're still just healthy and strong and like by far the most played like MMORPG and yeah there's definitely those IPs that uh, Diablo is another one right I that's definitely in in my age range or my genre or my era of gaming I would have never thought when I was playing Diablo 2 that there would be a Diablo 4 that was on KFC buckets and
0: raising a billion dollars in four days isn't that fascinating and that's because you're in business development i'm glad we're talking about this actually because games are getting bigger right they're four times the size of hollywood as an industry and just now we're seeing like a mainstream awareness and commercial adoption of games do you think this is surprising i think it's surprising it took this long i think when i
1: think of just my lifetime I'm 30 and the gaming, when I was like in high school, I didn't really tell people I played World of Warcraft, right? I was an athlete. You <laughs> say crit something. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. I was like in a really hardcore guild too that was pushing like server first and a couple of like very minor worlds first back in the day. Yeah, we, I think we like glitched to the first boss and like Blackwing Lair and got a world first for that technically. But, but I was also like this kid that was playing baseball and I went on to play sports in college and stuff. The stigma at the time, it's only 15 or so years ago, was that like gaming was the South Park episode with the super fat dude and, and doing the whole like Warcraft episode. And so yeah, it was still something that wasn't as accepted as it is today and I always didn't makes sense to me because I like don't watch movies because I play video games, right? Movies are kind of boring when you can actually just play the movie or play the story and progress through that. And I'm not surprised that it's happened. I'm surprised that it's taken this long. And and now you're seeing some companies like just completely blow that out of the water and building TV shows like Arcane, right? I think a lot of people don't even realize that when you're watching Arcane, you're immersing yourself in a story of one of the biggest games that exists in League Legends. And and it's been a really cool thing to see game
0: companies kind of transition into
1: more multimedia or transmedia kind of storytellers.
0: Yeah, transmedia, that's the uh, that's expression, isn't it? I think we're celebrating the rise of game IP at the moment, but there, there may come a time in 10 years when we're heartily sick of it because if you think about in the world of uh, visual entertainment and movies, you've got the Marvel Stranglehold. And there are very few uh, new fictional universes that are ascendant. I can just see us becoming sick of the same round of World of Warcraft, Diablo, Final Fantasy, uh, League of Legends, CSGO. Uh, are we going to be dealing with these games for the next 20 years? I always look back at like,
1: Ocarina of Time was like the first real video game I played and and like the first thing I played by myself where I didn't have like my dad beating Mario levels for me, right? Ocarina of Time was like my first real dive and I can't get enough of Tears of the Kingdom, right? I think as as long as those studios keep delivering and like we all, we all trust Nintendo to keep doing that, but I think there's so many people just building cool immersive experiences in gaming and there's always new ideas and technologies pushing forward that I think there's always going to be new universes. The Marvel universe just doesn't excite me. I know I'm like the one guy in the world who just doesn't care for Marvel movies, I think because it's just so saturated. And I know there's going to be another one that comes out next year, and it's going to generally follow the same format. When I really search for a new experience in the game, I know I can find it relatively easily, and I don't have to leave the Steam ecosystem or Epic or anything like that to
0: find something that's going to really pull me in. Lately, I've been playing the Formula One games, like, religiously. Did you watch the Formula One documentary on uh, on Netflix that seems to have sparked uh, a mainstream interest in, in F1?
1: Yeah, I did. And I love that show. Actually, like, my introduction to F1 was, like, I did a really short internship at Circuit of the Americas when I lived in Austin uh, when I was, like, 18. It was, like, my first ever professional experience in anything. So I got a little bit of an earlier introduction to Formula One,
0: and, and I come from, like, a Motorcycle and like Race car Family. Probably you can tell that I haven't watched it because I called it a documentary. It's actually a series. Let me just stray into uh, stereotypes here. I have artistic female friends who are telling me, oh, I'm right into Formula One now. And I'm like, how on earth are you into Formula One? And it's just, I have this universal appeal. But thanks to the backstory, thanks to the building up of in the gaming world, what we would call the lore of this world. It doesn't matter that it's a real world. It follows the same rules as the fictional world. You need to have a story, you need to have characters, and it's incredibly engaging.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly Exactly it, right? Story is one of the main hooks that we have in gaming. I think you see that when you watch 20 individuals just race around a circuit and you don't really understand it, and you're just like first-time viewer, it's fun to watch. It, it, it can be exciting, but you have no vested interest in it. Mm-hmm. And You understand the characters that are involved and the storylines that are involved. It's that much more fun to watch because you understand the rivalry that might exist between Max Verstappen and, and Sergio Perez and why Sergio Perez has so much pressure to live up to this person who's becoming like an all-time great. And we have that like in abundance in gaming. It's one of our main hooks and kind of for core, like one of our main real drivers of uh, immersion into the world that we're building is the lore and seeing the way that people can really immerse themselves in that. And I mean, I think like I said, it's kind of back to what I said a moment ago, like, uh, I've never really been into movies or anything, because gaming just checks that box in such a better way for me. So tell me about the middle core backstory. There was life on earth as it is now. So we're set in the future. And Earth eventually became uninhabitable, so everybody boarded onto these ships. And in the process of this hundreds-year-long journey, these factions form and kind of clans form within those ships and there's strife and conflict throughout the journey. Eventually, these ships make their way to a planet that was inhabitable, an Earth-like planet that could sustain life, and essentially the moment everybody gets off of those ships, there's conflict for control of the planet. Recreation of the problem that got everybody onto these ships in the first place. But so much time has passed that these people don't understand what made Earth uninhabitable. And generations later, there's a war breaking out for control of what is supposed to be Earth 2.0. We call Kerberos. And from there, you have this game that's really built around uh, territory control. I think you know, we always look at metalcore, and yes, it's an FPS game, and there's vehicles, and there's third-person combat elements, and there's infantry. Really, the game at its core is territory. Are you working with a team? Are you solo? You always have the option to play solo. I think the game, being a, a faction-based, like, territory control game, it's in your interest to, to find people to play with that can pull their weight and help drive your faction towards ultimately winning the battle. There's three main factions that are at war with one another. So it's not just like PVP, it's like PVP, VP, right? The game really shines when you decide to play with other people and it's an open world game. So with that, you have like world bosses, co-op events. Tell me about the blockchain integration. We like to think of ourselves as a game that's pretty light on blockchain integrations. I think one of the core principles and pillars for a hill we're willing to die on is we just want the gameplay experience to feel native to whoever, right? How like you and I, i have been in blockchain for a while, we understand how to connect wallets and switch networks and bridge funds and all those things. And those are very second nature to us, right? But to 99% of the world, those things are really huge pain points. We just want the gameplay experience to feel native. Do we think blockchain NFTs can those greatly enhance the user experience? Yes, we 100% believe that. We wouldn't be here if we didn't. So for us, our characters and vehicles or NFTs, and we have a collection out on that's on every marketplace right now, the Metalcore Infantry Genesis Collection. Those are assets that will be in the game, each a truly unique asset, right? Same thing, our vehicles will be collections at one point in the future. Where we're also not going to gate our game behind NFTs and NFT ownership. It, Metalcore is going to be a free-to-play uh, accessible title that's just on the Epic Game
0: Store, and you'd play it as you would any other game. What about gameplay advantage? You say I've been playing it for a while, it's free to play. You obviously need a revenue stream. I buy either one of your ships or one of your characters. What do I get in the game? When you look at NFTs, those will very likely be cosmetics, things like emotes and
1: sprays and stuff like that. Will, if We choose to integrate those things. Obviously skin cosmetics are going to be uh, one thing, but access to those vehicles will help you exploit the process. But if you're a free user who doesn't really want to participate in blockchain, you'll still have access to some of those things. It'll just take you a little bit longer to go over harvest materials and
0: gather blueprints. Got us more of an acceleration dynamic. We will always stay away from like pay to win mechanics. I was laying a bit of a trap there for you, of course. (laughs) Everyone knows that pay to win really stinks. I think one of the things
1: that worries me in the height of the 2021 bull run, the industry was openly promoting pay-to-win mechanics. And if anybody's been paid attention to gaming for any time in the last 10 years or 15 years, especially, that pay-to-win sucks. And it's no fun to to play against somebody who spent $1,000 on something and can kill you in one shot, right? The Web3 gaming space, I think, lost sight of that for a
0: long time. My it, view on that, Jerry, is that they just didn't know.
1: Yeah, um, that's the other part of the, that equation that was a little bit of a problem for a while, is that we had people who were claiming that they could make AAA-level games and
0: thinking they could do that with $2 million. And they thought they could. Genuinely, they thought they could. Um, There was a lot of youthful enthusiasm, if I can be (laughs) patronising about it. But given that it takes the best teams in the world three to five years to make a AAA game, it would be quite surprising if people who would never made a game before could do it in less than a year. Don't think we've got a very scientific definition of AAA, though, have we? Is Metalcore AAA in your book? I've always stayed away from deciding what we are for us, I think we should let the industry
1: kind of bestow that title upon us. And I think you can look at the traditional definitions of AAA, meaning dollars spent on a game. One thing that Web3 is extremely guilty of is taking traditional gaming terms and then uh, kind of bastardizing them, for lack of a better term. Guilds mean something different in Web3 than they do in Web2. I think we have a lot of games in Web3 who openly market themselves with AAA titles and a, they're wrong because they're not spending enough money to be a true AAA title, but in the Web3 definition of are we a AAA game, meaning is it a good high quality, good looking game, I want the industry to decide that for us and I think we're building something that's going to hopefully speak for itself.
0: I, I think the uh, blockchain game test of whether you're a AAA game is just whether you're un- using Unreal Engine 5 to build a game or not. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. That's you had a nice cinematic trailer and uh, you were a triple A. <laughs> yeah, we all know about cinematic trailers, though, don't we? They are the great lie. They are. You and I know that. For a long time, I think other people who are consumers
1: or investors like, didn't necessarily know that. I remember back when I saw like my first really high quality cinematic trailer and I was like, oh my gosh, this gameplay is going to be so good. I think it was World of Warcraft even, right? I saw that some of the early trailers, and you play the game, you're like, wait, this looks nothing like that. I learned that lesson in 2006. And uh, there's a lot of people that learned that lesson in 2020. It's one of the reasons why if you look at a lot of our trailers, we try to truly put as much gameplay into our trailers as we can. We don't want anybody to have any misconceptions. Now, what is the
0: game being built in? Is it Unity?
1: Or is no, it- so we're actually built in uh, Unreal 4. We're one of the few that's kind of sticking to Unreal 4. A port to Unreal 5 is definitely not out of the question. Those are, for anybody who's not familiar with game development, it's not as easy as
0: flipping a switch. There's pretty significant resources that you need to dedicate to that. Now, tell me about how important the uh, partnership with Epic is, the Epic Games Store. It's huge because it solves like a distribution issue. Without Epic, we
1: would all be reliant on what I'm calling like the Great Launcher War of 2023 and 2024. Like, the all the Web3 launchers, there's going to be this very incestuous thing that happens with Web3 native launchers. We don't have to play that game at all. We're able to be a, a step above that. Epic's on hundred million computers. There's, there's a lot of people that are checking in on Epic every day, and they're playing ball a little bit. They're very curious about the Web3 scene. But for us, it's huge because we don't have to worry about Steam. We don't have to try to convince Steam to play ball. You don't have to hide all your blockchain stuff. Yeah, Epic has given us kind of a very small set of rules that are very easy to follow. We're allowed to do all of our wallet integrations and tech integrations. What are the rules, Jerry? No marketplace. So we can't use the Epic marketplace and that's about it. Pretty easy to follow. We just can't use them to sell anything. I would assume that they're simply just waiting on
0: regulatory clarity, which all of us are. Yeah. Tell me about building the game. Games take a lot to build. What has been the hardest thing so far in building Metalcore? Building games, like you said, is just kind of
1: a really long, arduous process, right? And it's this constant cycle of building something to this half working state and then tweaking it, and and you failed a hundred times to get something to where it's like kind of functional. And then now you have to optimize that where you're going to fail at all those steps a hundred more times until you finally get this smooth, uh, optimized gameplay experience. And every single part of that is something that can be broken and be a failed point, right? Whether it's like a tree, you don't know how that's going to mess up the code base and how interacting with that is going to make somebody fall through the world. And so it's just this really long slow process and and everybody who's been in game development i think knows exactly how it goes and i'm not even a developer right i just have to watch these guys go through it and sit in the meetings with them and listen to them kind of complain about how things were working yesterday but uh, it's broken today from the onset of the development of Metalcore, like the the studio knew the game that they wanted to build a lot of our guys worked on like the first met warrior games right so They've had this, this 15, 20-year concept of the game that they've always wanted to build but couldn't because, because blockchain didn't exist or because games were much harder to build then and they didn't have advancements of technology and kind of AI that we currently have, right? We have known the game we've wanted to build for a long time and have stuck to that and stayed true to that where I think people
0: who are constantly pivoting, are going to keep running into problems. Have you played Metalcore at all yet? I haven't, actually. So one of our game experts is called Caveman, or Cavern. and he has played, and it looked incredibly fun, I must say. Thank you for that. And thank so you have to thank him for me. But, yeah, it's
1: one of the things we think a lot about is how do we differentiate ourselves from just every other shooter that's out there, which is arguably the most common genre, especially in Web3, right? Trading card games are in abundance in Web3 and shooters. And one of the ways we've kind of tried to tackle that is like encouraging people to participate in all the combat elements of the game. as We're this like multifaceted combat game that has mechs and also tanks and jet bikes and planes. a kind a battlefield thing going on in that respect, hasn't it? Very much, yeah, very much. But then when you get down to like the, the fine details of the game and what is the game essentially about territory control, like I was saying earlier, when you want to capture like an outpost or a base, for me, I like to sit in planes and kind of just draw almost and everybody and get in dog bites. I'm very good at that. I'm not very good at like first shooter elements, but there, there comes that point in every, every time going want to capture a point in on the map where somebody on the team is going to have to get out and go capture that point it's like domination self capture point and it's probably not gonna have to be just one person it's probably gonna have to be several that go in there and hold that from like the people who don't want to lose their base. It's, it's this interesting thing of like how can you put in design elements that really encourage people to not just stick to what they know but really participate in all the elements of the game
0: now jerry you personally you mentioned that you've been around crypto for a while how did you come to this crazy world yeah, that's actually a really good question.
1: I have such a backward story. I'm a kind of a blue collar uh, background individual, didn't really come from money, came from very humble beginnings. Both my parents are immigrants, kind of had a traditional- Where are your parents from? From Mexico. I don't look it, but uh, yeah, I both my parents are immigrants here. We kind of have the traditional like immigrant upbringing. And I was one of those kids that, like I said, just played sports. I uh, didn't really think about continuing education or anything like that. Eventually did go back to school, but- When I stopped playing baseball and didn't get drafted, and every, I think, young man who's an athlete has this point where they have to give up their athletic career and they don't know what to do. I went to business school and just didn't really resonate with it at the time. So I went and then found the best-paying job I could find was firefighting. So I was a firefighter.
0: Because I saw that you were a firefighter. Yeah. And uh, Is that like public knowledge? Do people that know that? Is about public me? knowledge, and you should be aware that it is public knowledge. If anyone wants to do five minutes research on uh, Jerry Singer, they can find out that you're a firefighter for three years, I think. Is that right? Yeah, I'm to say a little bit longer than that. That was what I thought I was going to do for the rest
1: of my life. Something that is not an easy job to get, and especially in the state of California where I was living at the time, it's very competitive because it's actually a very lucrative job. So I went and got a job doing that. It's just a dark job, things that people aren't supposed to see, but somewhere along like my first year where I really started to make good money, I started just investing. And I started with like Trinidad Finance. I bought like Tesla, straight really into Tesla. So I made a lot of money doing that, like Palantir, I was, and that was just kind of became something that I thought was for me a way to get ahead in life that I, the advantages I didn't, was not given early on in my life, I could make up for with knowledge and financial competency. So started always watching CNBC and on my downtime reading uh, some experts staying away from what Jim Cramer said. And through that, kind of found myself buying like Bitcoin and ETH, which I think anybody who spent a lot of time on the internet in the 2010s had heard of Bitcoin. And we all have that story of, gosh, I should have bought it in 2011, right? Because I definitely had heard of Bitcoin at the time. I didn't buy until 2017 or 18. But you know that just made me pay attention a little bit more, and I was very Bitcoin-only guy for a long time, and started to have some experiences like professionally. I was making more money just investing than I was firefighting, right? And around the same time, was having a bunch of experiences that I was like, man, I just don't know if I can keep showing up to work and being happy. And I was looking around and seeing all my old captains and engineers just be alcoholics and getting sick and stuff, and I just had a moment where I was, I looked at. Everybody around me and I just didn't want any of their lives. And when you have one foot out the door in a job like firefighting, here's what it's done, right? So I just I couldn't motivate myself to continue to go to work. Around the same time, I had friends who were starting a company in Web3, uh, not Metalport, but a previous company that I worked for, and they were like, "Hey, we need somebody who's like actually just like you." And they're like, if "We could have you. That would be awesome." But we know you're firefighting, and I was like, "What if I wasn't? I didn't have a backup plan." Then I think. One of the big things that I learned in my life as a firefighter, most of the time, you're like the first person that's too late. And a lot of issues that people are seeing are caused because of financial situations. And I had this fortunate position of being somebody who had educated myself and taught myself how to, how financial independence and really thinking seeing like Web3 cryptocurrencies and NFTs and all these technologies that we're so ingrained in now and I spend like my day-to-day life in now as being a way to get to people before problems were happening. Is If people had a little bit more money, I think people would have a little bit less health issues or live in homes that aren't as crowded and don't have to use alternative means of heating so there is less prone to having like fire risk in the home. In
0: your role as a firefighter, did you also have to go to things like car crashes, suicides, 100%. In the States and in California specifically,
1: every firefighter is trained at least to the level of being an EMT. So anything that an ambulance would go to, a fire engine also goes to, right? Yeah, you're going to medical aids, just falls, slips and falls, heart attacks, but you're also going to car crashes, cliff rescues. You kind of see like the gamut of everything.
0: You're always late, though. I used to be a police rounds reporter as a journalist and my observation of the police was that they had a, job that required them to focus on a particular subset of human behavior in people and it was a generally negative experience so some of the cops were wonderful some of them were bad but they couldn't help but be colored by the fact that they were focusing on the worst parts of life i think you have a choice in life you can choose to focus on the negative things or you can choose to focus on the where things are growing. And I would say that you've chosen the latter. I think to me, it just, it made more
1: sense because I, I saw the difference that disposable income for me had on me and my family, and which we didn't traditionally have. And my parents were pretty hard on us. They drove all of us to go to college. And I think all my siblings are probably more successful than I am. They definitely pushed us to to better ourselves. But there's this huge population it, worldwide, not just in the States that didn't have those same opportunities to me. And I saw that was one of the clear differentiators for me. It was like, when I was able to just comfortably live, my stress level was so much lower. And one of the biggest populations in the world is gamers, right? And I think through some of the technologies that we are trying to put forward, there is that opportunity to make some extra money. It, is it going to replace a full-time
0: job? I don't think so. That's what got us into trouble in 2021, right? How do your parents feel about the fact that you started dabbling in financial markets? They're always going to wish that I was just a doctor.
1: They're probably more happy that I, I'm not running into buildings anymore, but my parents were both never super supportive of my gaming journey. So the fact that I have now worked at a gaming company, I think they just go, ah, Jerry's just stuck on those video games again. Good luck trying to explain to your relatives what you do now. Typically don't tell them about like the financial aspects of it. I, My mom was super excited that we were at 3XP and she saw her son kind of on stage speaking and displaying this game that
0: he didn't actually build, but he just played a small
1: part in. Yeah. Uh,
0: That's been a really great conversation, Jerry. Thanks so much for talking to me. Thanks for talking to me. I had a good time. It was a good conversation. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to say? I could just do a quick plug of Metalcore.
1: You guys, anybody who is listening or watching will be at metalcore.gg. I closed alpha uh, right now but it's only closed because it's gated behind in uh,
0: code if you just join our discord all the information on our website we're happy to give you a code and i'll uh, come play the game so you're not inviting people to a party that they can't get into <laughs> no everybody can get in yeah. we just we just need <laughs> to give you all a key we just, everybody needs to know the secret password
1: <laughs> i really actually look forward to playing the game yeah i appreciate you saying that it's like cooking right it's like food can smell and look good it's got to taste good too i think we're I think
0: we're on the path. Yeah, good luck. Scratch the surface and everyone has a story to tell. Think of Jerry's second life as a secret gamer, a crack at elite baseball, a harrowing life in the emergency services and a burning desire for financial security. They all led to the blockchain and his role in game development. Thanks for joining me, Hal Crawford on Polomos Key Characters. See you next time.